business owners likely will have only one shot to sell a business. Most don't understand what drives value and how buyers look at a business. Until now. Welcome to the How to Sell a Business podcast, where every week we talk to the subject matter experts, advisors, and those around the deal table about how to sell at maximum value. Every business will go to sell one day. It's only a matter of when. We're glad you're here. The podcast starts now. Welcome to another episode of How to Sell a Business podcast, where I interview buyers, sellers, advisors, and everyone that surrounds a business owner on how to create what creates value in a business and then ultimately how to sell the business. And so today I have my first two-time guest. His name's Tim Roy of Capital Analytics, and I'll, I'll put his bio in the, in the show notes, but he's an equipment appraiser and I've gotten to know him over the years as an employee of Capital Analytics. Now he, he had his own acquisition and now he is the owner of Capital Analytics. But what his claim to fame is, is being one of those equipment appraisers that you are really grateful that you know. He's articulate. He's thorough. He's honest, and he's one of those guys that that you know just does a good job. He he knows some of the people I've referred, and he probably doesn't know some that I also refer to him. And he is on the short the short short list. And I can tell you that every single person that I've ever introduced him to have come back and have been fortunate to have had him work on on their jobs. He's such an easy referral. And I know I'm, it sounds like I'm making a pitch for the guy, but I'm telling you, I, I'm in this space and I see there's a big difference between equipment appraisers. And I can tell you that he is absolutely top notch. He was, like I said, guest on episode number 50, and he's now on on episode 80. So I hope you enjoy, and I'm certain you will, my interview with Tim Roy of Capital Analytics. Welcome to my first time, my first two-time guest, Tim Roy. Tim, welcome. Hi, Ed. How are you doing? It's great to be back. <laughs> I'm I'm great. I'm so I'm so excited that you're here. So you were on episode number 50 and we'll we'll link that in the show notes. But for those for those that don't know you, um on episode 50, you were you were an employee, a key employee, and now that you're a business owner. So why don't you talk a little bit about capital analytics and and just your own acquisition? Yeah, thanks. Uh, so we're a small business advisory and valuation firm based in Indianapolis. Um, small and mid-market business is kind of our target. We, we work for a lot of professional um, advisors, attorneys, accountants, bankers. Um, we have business valuation. We have equipment appraisal. Those are our two main areas of focus. We have some great partners on the business valuation side. And then myself and my associate, we do the equipment appraisals. And um, yeah, I've been in this business for a while. Um, we were owned by an absentee wealthy gentleman who started us uh, kind of out of the blue several years ago. And it sort of came time to transition. And um, I hear you talk in this podcast a lot about key employee retention. 
Well, when you're in a firm of only uh, three to five people, every employee is a key employee. So when everyone kind of comes together at the same time and says, it's time to make a change, um, our owner was wise enough to understand that it was time time to transition. So uh, we, as a small professional practice, there wasn't a lot of business value beyond the immediate relationships. And, you know, we don't have any um, production contracts. Every assignment is a one-off deal. So there's no guaranteed earnings. Um, expenses are fairly minimal beyond uh, salaries. So we worked out a revenue share with the owner. And it's, it's somewhat a form of seller financing. The options for me as a buyer were I could either go take out personal loans and make a cash offer. Uh, my wife was not crazy about that. We wanted to buy a home and have other things going on. And the interest rates on personal loans are not exciting. Um, the other thing is that we could work out a revenue share agreement. And we uh, came to terms that we thought were acceptable. And the uh, owner um, gladly took them. And we worked out a fair, amicable deal. And there was a lot of a lot of support back and forth dealing with open accounts, dealing with remaining expenses. Um, but we got it all worked out. That was about a year ago. So I've been a year as a business owner. And it has been... A very steep learning curve, a lot of nice. a lot of lost sleep. Um, but once you get past the first few months and figuring out everything you need to know with taxes, workforce development, QuickBooks, uh, <laughs> right, all these things you never think of, uh, it's a, it's a lot harder than you think, but it's enjoyable as well. You know that's and that's funny you say that because a number of people say the same thing. The acquisition was super easy. Being a business owner, that's that's when it becomes pretty hard. So, but again, congratulations. That's that that is such a big win for 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 not only you but for for the people you serve. Because I know that uh, you know you, you're expanding your offerings. You're you've always done great work, but at the same time, you know now you now you can kind of control the the throttle. So I'm I'm real I'm real excited to see what. What what you look like on the third time you come on the podcast? Probably have a lot grayer hair. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's not all what it's cracked up to be. <laughs> all right, so I, there's a few things I wanted to talk to you about. One, you know, so now we're in 2023, and interest rates are up. We got inflation up, and and we're. I'm just curious to know what is the state of equipment. You know what. I, I have to assume values are going down. I'm curious to know what liquidation values are, are, are doing. And I, and I know I'm kind of giving you <laughs> all my talking points, but I, as an overview, I'm trying to figure out, you know, is fair market value the same as orderly liquidation in today's environment? You know, have those, has, has that, there used to be a gap. There may not be anymore. So sure. anyway. Fire away. What, what's happening in 23? Well, we always have to talk about equipment in two categories. You have mobile equipment, which is like construction, agriculture, trucks and trailers, rental fleets, uh, scissor lifts, all of that kind of stuff that you can pick up and move. And then you have installed equipment, you have manufacturing, processing, packaging, things you can't pick up and move. So mobile equipment kind of follows the same trends you see in vehicles. So during the pandemic, uh, there became supply chain disruptions. There became shortages. Used value skyrocketed. A two-year-old tractor was selling for more today than the manufacturing suggested price of a new tractor. 
right? And these things are happening all the way through really? the end of last year. And that's because the cost of buying a new tractor was not just $500,000. It was $500,000 plus a 12-month wait time, right? Well, that's one season of planting and harvesting. So if you could buy a used tractor right now and plant and harvest with it, that was worth more to you, right? So these are things that we all saw happening with pickup trucks, right? Well, it was happening with all kinds of mobile equipment. Those markets have leveled off. They have not come down necessarily. They have leveled off at a higher state. So we had a lot of crazy inflation. The supply chains are not back so, wait, wait, where wait. they were. Yeah, that's a, that's where I was going with it. Is So why is it leveled off? Well, it's leveled off because interest rates are up. Right, you know that it's not as easy to borrow money to buy things. Right. So for a buyer, they have to start thinking about what am I getting myself into as far as financing agreements, and what are the costs of maintaining these agreements over the next three to five years as I pay off this semi truck or this bulldozer. Uh, second of all, I think there's just a lot of hesitancy in the market in general. People aren't sure about interest rates. People aren't sure about financing. People aren't sure about a recession. So that reduces demand for new construction and, and things like that. And that also reduces demand for equipment just along with it. And um, supply chains have started to come around a little bit, right? Um, people are able to get a new bulldozer with a six-month lead time instead of an 18-month lead time, right? So you start to be willing to wait and get the new one with all the warranties and the packages. And so used ones start to drop relative to new costs. So things have not dropped and I'm not sure if or when they're going to drop, but they are not increasing anymore. Things are kind of just leveled out right now. Okay. So you said there are two, two diff different camps of equipment. Sure. One is the, what you just described. What's the second one? So in installed equipment, it's very industry specific. Um, we all have heard about the onshoring or the reshoring of manufacturing over the last you know, 10 years or so uh, following the last recession. The tier one suppliers and the major manufacturers wanted more control over their supply lines. And so our last three presidents have bragged endlessly about how many jobs they're bringing back from overseas. And it, it's been true. The onshoring of the manufacturing supply chain is a real trend that's been going on since 2011. So we're looking at 12 years of people bringing jobs back from overseas. Well, when you trickle down to the tier three and four suppliers, the kind of people who are customers for you and I, um, what that means is that they have a lot of work. If you're a metalworking, manufacturing, uh, things that might feed into a major manufacturer, uh, maybe you're making parts or you're doing maintenance or service. You've had plenty of business. And so those types of, I would say, general manufacturing type industries, fabrication, machining, aerospace, defense, um, anything in the automotive or the heavy machinery supply chain, they've had plenty of work. So that equipment has been in demand. It's been hard to get new machines it's been hard to get controls for those machines. You know, they use computer chips just like the pickup trucks that we heard so much about. So that type of equipment has been very strong and remains strong. But if you're in a niche industry, let's say you're in pharmaceutical packaging, you know, these trends uh, have a lot to do with factors that are, that are outside of anything to do with the supply chain. 
uh, you know, there are big industry trends in every little, every little commercial industry that affect the value of the equipment that's used in that industry. You know, cannabis manufacturing is legal today. It's illegal tomorrow, right? Uh, some medical manufacturing process, uh, some, some medical manufacturer, they're making a product that's approved by the F, um, the FDA today and then tomorrow it's unapproved, right? So every little niche business in industry is sort of on their own swing chain and it doesn't always have anything to do with COVID. Some went up, some went down. If you were in uh, big event staging and you had a $5 million package of audio visual equipment, well, that became worthless in late 2020. And now if you're the only man left standing or the only, the only business left standing, well, now all of a sudden you got a lot of value because you're the only one that has this equipment. It's it's funny you say that because we're I mean we're three three and a half years into an engagement and we're we're going to get it done. I mean they've somehow managed to um, <laughs> somehow managed to get it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just stay 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 afloat and you know good on them. Yeah. So it's. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a big win. Um, all right, I, and I interrupted you yet again. I I, I have a habit of doing that. And, and if I apologize. you if you but, don't interrupt, so, I won't so you stop. Were, so, <laughs> well, fair enough. So the the um, so on the uh, tier three and four. All right, those those types of business businesses, when you know. I've always said, you know, if you want to close your business, there's nothing wrong with that as long as the people, you know, that are important to you know that that's kind of your exit strategy. I mean, is there is there market for for their equipment? You know what I mean? That that all right, things go bad. And from the buyer side too, you know that that maybe they, you know, you you see what collateral value is and how much the bank's going to give you, you know, uh, you know, on a on a per dollar basis. But what's the if I have to start selling some of my equipment to to keep afloat because things have gone bad? What what's the absorption, or is that too broad of a question? Well, it's a broad question, but there are some factors that are universal. Um, number one, how utilitarian is it? Right, if you have a CNC lathe that has modern controls, and this is from a big brand like Haas, that every machinery operator coming out of Ivy Tech knows how to operate a Haas machine, right? That's a commodity type asset. You can pick it up with a forklift. You can rig it out of your building. You can put it on a flatbed. You can drop it into another shop in almost any industry and they can use that, right? So that's the kind of asset that has liquidity. So if a new one costs $500,000, you'll be able to sell that over the next seven to 10 years for a reasonable fraction you know, a couple hundred grand. It's got value, right? It's not going to bring as much as a new one, but it's not a boat anchor either. Now, when you're talking about things that are highly customized and installed, if you're in a, you know, let's say you're doing some sort of a chemical processing, or let, let's say you're doing finishing for metalwork. That's a very common operation. Let's say you have a dip tank line. These tanks are full of chemicals and you dip metal parts in them and you apply an electric current and it produces a finish that goes on these parts. Well, these are highly installed processes, highly corrosive materials. It's kind of a custom modular package of assets. The chances of finding any other buyer who's going to want that same 
package of assets is very minimal. And in those situations, liquidations are, are ugly. Um, you basically sell off the few, you know, biggest, nicest things for a fraction of their replacement cost. And then everything else is pennies on the dollar. I got it. The, the, the business owners, you know, it, we're seeing so much SBA, you know, SBA got so aggressive right now. And it seems as though equipment is, I don't want to say immaterial, but it's more cash flow lenders. All right. And if the cash flow is there, um, you know, who cares what the equipment looks like? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's nice to know here's our collateral, but I guess where I was heading with it is, is that a good thing? I, to me, I, it, I mean, at, in my space, that's a great thing, yeah. you know, that, that, that you're lending off a cash flow, but I, I'm just curious to know downstream three, five years, you know, what do you do with that equipment? I mean, does, will it retain its value? And I know that's specific to the particular type sure. of industry, but I, I guess because at some point you see this stuff and I'm just curious to know what, you know, what's your thoughts on that? That's a, I know that's a big, even more broad than the last one, last question. But I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, because remember people are getting, people are buying these businesses and here's the scenario that that always troubles me that you have an an aging owner all right who starts kind of their in their head they start planning and you you talked about this in some of our talking points about the cap about capex you know that and i'm looking at it that you know what they stop doing the thing they stop investing in equipment all right and so the, the deterioration, I don't know if it accelerates, but it certainly doesn't improve. And then the buyer comes in and buys it. The cash flow lender has, you know, it's just cash flow. And here's the, the list of assets. I'm just curious to know what happens at the end of that, you know? Yeah. Well, when yeah, you, have, you know, when a, a lender goes to an appraiser and they ask for a value of anything, could be a real estate, could be equipment. Uh, you know, that's as of today, right? And then it's the lender's job to, first of all, um, pay attention to what it actually says in your appraisal report. You know, a good appraiser will give you kind of a run out. And this is what you're looking at in the near term, right? So when we do it, an inspection of a facility, we'll put a little page of narrative in our report that says, here's what you're looking at in the next three to five years. Here's what's going to be retired. Here's what your value is going to look like. Um, it's not an official opinion, but it's just sort of a some context for the lender. And the lenders also discount. You know, they only loan a certain percentage against the actual value. So the idea being that, look, in the next five years or seven years, whatever the length of this collateral loan is, we understand as lenders that the value of this equipment will drop. And we're going to make some wise decisions to make sure we don't have a value gap anywhere here where the market value of the equipment is going to be less than what's owed on it, right? Sure. Not saying that doesn't happen. Uh -huh. and I'm not saying it doesn't happen all the time. Uh, many lenders do not want our extra opinions, Ed. They want to know what the value is today, and then they want to go package the deal. No, no, I get. And they want to sell it, and they don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, they do not want to know what's going to happen in three to five that, years. 
that's funny you say that because that was exactly where I was going with it. That you know it, it you know, and I may, I may have told you this. You know, years ago, you know, in in a lot of our business appraisals, we would give you know we would do these extensive reports and and they were you know an inch thick. And like every other appraisal, you know, someone goes to the first page or the last page. No one reads any of it. So I put, I embedded in, 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 in the body of the, of, of the report. You know, if, if you read this, I'll give you a hundred dollars cash. Just call me. Here's my number. And no one, no one ever called me. And so I knew no one was reading it. And so my point is, you know, to circle back, I think it's just a checkbox for so many. And and I, I fear for the buyer that the CapEx is so much greater as a result of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that's not the future CapEx. In an SBA situation in particular, with an owner-operator who, as you always say in the show, they're buying themselves a job or a lifestyle, and they just want to know if the business will cash flow on the debt. And they go to a big box lender Mm -hmm. and they don't have a lot of diligence and they don't have a lot of good advice. And they will basically look at the market value of the equipment today and they'll say, well, that's going to pay for the the collateral financing and I'm going to make enough earnings to pay for that. And that's all I care about. And yes, those are high production deals that happen every day of the week. And, um, you know, as those of us in the professional advisor world, Guys like you and I, we just have to. Uh, we do our job. We say our piece, and if they choose, to, if they choose not to listen, then I guess there's not much we can do about that. We make sure it's written down, so when they come back and complain, we can point to page four and say, <laughs> "Did you read page four? It's in big letters." Now I I get it. Like I said, it's just you start to think about all of the all of you know. We're seeing so much so much more buyer activity from, from, um, you know, it's ETA entrepreneurship through acquisition. And we're seeing, uh, kind of an influx of, of buyers, but at the same time, you know, when you, when you have such a, a, a large debt structure on that business, you, you start to wonder how are they going to get more money when they need it? You know, they, they're getting it on the front end, you know, no bank's going to under, under, you know, provide you know, under working capital, there's, you know, they're, they're going to do just the opposite. But I, I, I think, you know, as we talk about, you know, being business owners, you get in there and you're not really, until you're in there, you don't, you really don't know. You can see it on paper before, but once you're in there now, now all of a sudden you see, you know, things that are perhaps, you know, coming down, coming down the pike. And then you have the issue like you're talking about, if, the, if you know, recession or economic downturn or whatever you want to term it, you know, this elongates for any period of time and you have a supply chain issue. Yeah, we've got that. We've got some new problems. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, yeah, th- well, thanks for your commentary on that. I know I, I kind of threw that one on you, but um, I did want to talk a little bit about, you know, for the, the remaining time of how do you prepare your asset base for sale? Because most people don't understand. And I, and I was writing about this, you know, um, I don't know, a few weeks back about, you know, it's one thing to clean up your facilities, you know, and you, you don't want to, 
you know, it, it's clean. It's, it looks like it's well cared for. Let's, let's take some time and talk about what do we do about the equipment? Sure. You know, yeah. and, and, and because from your perspective as an appraiser, that makes a material difference, right? Absolutely. I mean, on this show, you guys always talk about, you and your guests talk about how it's all about the earnings. Earnings creates value. But the, the earnings only tell you what has been there. And then the seller has to sort of convince the buyer that, look, I've paved this long road for you, this long runway, where you can continue operations and continue these earnings. I've retained key management. I've got a workforce that's trained up and they're, they're not all about to retire. I've got key contracts. I've got production contracts. I've got supply chain set. I've got customer retention. Well, if you're in an equipment intensive business, part of that same conversation is you can continue to earn at the same level with the current package of equipment. And I've got predictable operating expenses, OPEX. I've got predictable capital expenses, CapEx. And you know what you're getting into and they're not going to be any surprises. So the biggest thing you can do is organize predictable earnings and really pave that runway for the buyer to envision continued success with your current package of assets. I got it. But when but when you when you're climbing over these machines, all right? I you know, when you have a 50-year-old piece of equipment that ha that has been, you know, re you know, retooled and is in a in a state where it has much more economic life. I mean, it it's beat up, you know? It, I'm just I'm just curious to know does physical appearance make a difference? I, and I think you said yes earlier, but yeah. you know, how much of you know does does it contribute to to value, or does it it just it just gives you a sense that you know what this this thing's been cared for and the preventative maintenance? I'm it it just further assures me that the preventative maintenance has been handled. Well, I think everything you know I mean? everything works together. If you're selling. An equipment intensive business, you know, we are envisioning kind of a small manufacturing facility here. It's yeah. not just the physical appearance. The physical appearance is important, right? You need to treat this asset like the investment it is. If you have a 50 year old stamping press, you know, to replace this thing is going to cost someone a million dollars, right? You need to treat yeah. it like a million dollar investment. Right? You would not have a million dollars sitting with your financial advisor in stocks and bonds and have no clue where it's at, how much it's earning you, what the maintenance fees are. You know, you would want to know about this. I can't tell you how many business owners have a million dollar stamping press, but because it's been paid off, they just quit paying attention to it. And they have no clue and they can't tell potential buyers. This is what my annual operating expenses are. These are all of the things I have done to keep this thing operating, to make sure it operates for the next five years without a lot of hassles. This is what it will cost if you want to automate part of this process, if you want to put a robot on it, if you want to replace it. And here's the potential benefit of that. So if the physical appearance is important, put a coat of paint on it, right? Clean up the leaks, make sure the thing's tip top shape, get the modern controls on it. But it's that in combination with the paperwork. Here are the OPEX. Here's potential CAPEX. It all goes together and it gives the buyer confidence. 
No, you're you're right. And so when you one thing you said is, you know, here's here's some additional capacity. You know, uh, you know, if you do this. And the typical res- buyer response is, okay, well, why didn't you? Sure. And and so it it kind of I don't know, it's kind of a little bit of a landmine, you know, where they're they're like, you know, crap. Now I got now I now I have to explain why, you know, I'm asking this price for the business. Sure. I didn't do you know, and I and I'm waving the flag that you can do so much more with it, mm-hmm. and they're saying, well, then why didn't you? So yeah I don't know how I, what I want what I want you to answer, but I do if you got some guidance on that, that'd be great. Well, you do talk about this a lot. You always say, you know, don't quit running your business. You always say, expect your broker will fail, will fail, right? Keep running your business, keep up on things. But on the same hand, you know if you're gonna sell your house next year, you don't necessarily undertake a hundred thousand dollar remodel either, right? Because what if the new buyer comes in and, and doesn't like your countertops? Well, now you just wasted all this money. Well, it's no different with your assets. So let's say you want to automate the stamping press and you're going to put a robot in and it's going to save you some labor. But let's say the labor payoff is a is a five-year payoff. Well, if you're going to sell your business next year, is it necessarily wise to make this investment when the buyer might come in and they may have wanted a different process or they may have chosen a different yeah. type of automation? Yeah. So it's wise to be as efficient as you can with your current process. Make it clear to your buyer, this machine, this production line is earning you just as it is. And I've made the investments to make sure that will continue. But I've also done some research and I'm not asking you to pay me for your future investment and opportunity, but I want you to understand if you wanna extend the life of this, here's an investment that you can make. Here's the people you can talk to. I've already looked into all this and here's the potential Cost and the potential benefit of that. It's not something that's going to increase your value, but it's something that's going to give the buyer confidence. You know what you're doing. You've treated this thing with care. That's a great point. No, so it doesn't aid in value, but it does aid in marketability. You know what? You're a yeah. You're an you're an astute you're an astute business owner. You you know what you're doing, and yeah, that's that that is a that's a that's a really good point that. Understanding the capabilities and 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 giving that to the buyer is helpful. Yeah, that that's that's a great point. My last question was has to do with you know we're we're seeing more and more due diligence, all right? More and more due diligence requests on the financial side. We're looking at quality of earnings, um, and we're seeing more with equipment. And so what? It, and and again, this may be something that we that we have to put in the show notes. But is there a short list of due diligence items for equipment that you know? And I gotta imagine it's the it's the the things that you ask for your appraisal. But is there a kind of a list that hey, if you have all of this, this is gonna you're gonna get past due diligence on on the equipment package that you're selling. Well. <laughs> Like everything else, there's everything the buyer wants to know, and then there's everything the seller is actually prepared to provide, right? It's no different with your financials or anything else. So, you know, the name of this podcast is How to Sell a Business, right? If you're the seller, you have to anticipate. Information is power. 
the more that you can show that you're organized, the more that you can answer whatever checklist they have. So what I would think would be common asks, if you have some heavy equipment assets, is, you know, it doesn't have to be 15-year history, but, you know, show me three years of operating expenses on this major process. How many man hours have been involved in this? How many labor hours? How many times have you had to call Texan? What are your annual, you know, if you're a defense manufacturer, you have a certain certification. What are the costs of having these machines inspected and certified? Um, What about the software packages? You know, your CFO and your maintenance lead have got to be on the same page that we are going to track these expenses and we're going to assign them, right? The tracking system does not need to be expensive or complex but your employees have to be bought in. If your accountant and your maintenance person are not on the same page, when you come to sell, you might as well have no information because the accountant has information over here, the maintenance tech has information over here, but if they don't match up and if you can't assign them to your machines, that's worthless, right? So they have to really be bought in. Yeah. Um, So that's your operating expenses. That's something a buyer is gonna wanna know. And then of course, the other things are, um, you know, talk about, Give me your CapEx plan. How much were you planning on spending on major repairs, overhauls, refurbishments, controls upgrades? If you're going to continue to run this business for three to five years, what were you going to spend and how does that fit into the long-term earnings picture? So again, be organized, document, that gives confidence. And then you have more just the obvious things. You have somebody go in. Somebody go in and kick the tires. Usually if you're a buyer, if you're a strategic buyer, especially, and you're already running a similar business, you're going to have people on staff who are sort of experts at this type of equipment. And they're going to go in and they're going to look at it and they're going to come back and say, you know, geez, Ed, I've worked for you 20 years. I'm going to tell you the truth. That shop's a lot nicer than ours is. Or, Ed, I'm going to tell you the truth. Their presses have real problems. And if you want to bring them up to our standard, we're going to have to do X, Y, Z. You can send in um, maintenance texts from the manufacturers. So if you're buying a CNC machine, um, you go to that, your your sales rep, and you have a service call come out and they go check out the equipment and they can give you the costs of any recommended upgrades, repairs, maintenance items. Um, you can ask, what's your, mm-hmm. what's your part inventory on hand? You know, what are the key parts that I'm going to need to replace? And do you have those on hand already? Are those coming with the business or do I have to go buy those? Right. So it's just really a lot of common sense things that when you when you own a business yeah. and run it for a long time, you just forget about tracking these things and you forget that somebody else wouldn't know all this. You have to have it all documented, have it prepared, give it to the buyer and give them confidence. All right. So my man... The as you as you know, my my last question is always the same. So, what's the best piece of advice you could give the listeners that will have the greatest impact on their business or their business's saleability? What would it be? Well, this doesn't necessarily have to be an equipment intensive business. This could be any business with a physical presence, um, anything from a small office to a large manufacturing facility. You know, your numbers are your numbers, right? And they come out in a printout and everyone's kind of look the same, don't they? <laughs> they all look like right. they hit. Yeah, you're right. They all hit control P on QuickBooks, 
right? Your facility is the <laughs> physical representation of those numbers. This is the visual lens through which your buyers can view your financials. If you have two small businesses or mid-sized businesses and they both have the same financials, but one of them, you walk up to the, uh, the stamping presses and it's got a new coat of paint. There's no grease around it. It's got a nice binder hanging on the side with all the maintenance invoices and all the numbers to call and every upgrade that's ever been done to it. Then you go to the next stamping shop, has the exact same earnings, but the stamping press looks like yep. it hasn't been painted since the Korean War and you're standing in a pool of grease and you can't find any of the paperwork and you ask where the maintenance tech is and he's outside you know, smoking a cigarette, that business is going to appear less valuable to the buyer, right? The buyer is going to have less confidence yeah. that they can sure. continue to operate and earn at the same level over the next several years. So just really remember that your visuals are on paper, or I'm sorry, your financials are on paper, but your facility yeah. is the visual. This is how you communicate to the buyer that those financials mean something. You know, I've known you a long time. That is, that probably might might be the 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 quote of the year. <laughs> that that's a that's you're you're exactly right. I mean, I I never looked at it that way, and I've been doing it for thirty years. That's a that's a great way to say it. So, my friend, so where where can we find you? Well, you can always go to our website, uh, capitalanalytics.com, and there's an e in capital. That's don't ask me why, Ed, but it's too late to change it. We already have the domain paid for. <laughs> so you can find the link in the show notes. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I like to put articles out in industry publications and in the um, ASA journal and in banking magazines. And we're always at the um, IBA show in Indianapolis. So you can go check us out there or you can just uh, give us a call anytime. If you have any questions, uh, you know, we're not attorneys. We don't charge by the hour, we're happy to talk about any situations you have and see if we can give you some guidance or, or connect you with a better person if you have some specialty situations. So you're always welcome to reach out anytime. Nice. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, the IBA is the Indiana Bankers Association. Yeah. I believe that's in May. So we're in 2023. That's May, I believe, 16th through 18th yes. here in Indianapolis. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for for being so generous with uh, with your time and 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 coming on again. Um, it it's always it's always great to visit with you. So thanks so much for for taking the time, man. Thanks, Ed. It was great, and I'll uh, look forward to continuing here in the rest of the season. I learn a lot from this. I learn a lot from your show. So I'm always an avid listener and eager to listen to it. Thank you for joining us today on the How to Sell Your Business podcast. If you want more episodes packed with strategies to help sell your business for the maximum value, visit howtosellabusinesspodcast.com for tips and best practices to make your exit life-changing. Better yet, subscribe now so you never miss future episodes. This program is copyrighted by MISO Inc. All rights reserved.